I'm Victor Henry. You are listening to the We Are Horizon podcast. Hey everybody, you're listening to the We Are Rising podcast. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I'm joined by a first-time guest, making his debut at Ryzen 18 in Nagoya. Uh, we have Victor Henry, who will be taking on Trent El Nino Gurham in a bantamweight matchup. Uh, Victor Henry is currently the deep bantamweight champion, having defeated Yuki Matoya earlier this year to get the belt. He trains out of Josh Barnett's UWF uh, US, uh, USA school and um, uh, Victor Henry I appreciate you doing this this interview take your time out uh, from the beautiful California weather to talk to us well, no problem man it's hot outside so I'm inside with the AC oh lucky you lucky you um, so uh, let's talk to you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, for people who may not be familiar with you uh, how you got into uh, MMA and all that uh, yeah well I uh I started with Taekwondo when I was about 14, when I went to, uh, when I started high school, because um, all my high school had was basketball, and uh, I hated basketball because it wasn't enough of a contact sport. So we looked in the local paper, saw Taekwondo for the uh, for the city, started doing that. After getting my black belt, started doing Jiu-Jitsu. Then I started training over at Legends Academy over in uh, Hollywood and had a fight, and here I am today. Uh, how did you? So how did you get hooked up with Josh Barnett um, as a uh, coach? So my um, my coach at the time, Jimmy, Jimmy Romero, was uh, you know he he had some friends who knew Josh, and he was interested in holding a seminar with Josh. So when I first saw Josh, I was like, oh shit, you know, like I know who Josh Barnett is. So I really, really, you know, gave it my all to to try to learn everything he was teaching. Well. After maybe a couple months after the seminar, uh, my trainer, you know, had other opportunities, so he followed with that, which meant that he couldn't really be my coach anymore. So then after that, Josh hit me up personally, said, "Come over to CSW," and that's where I started started training with Josh. Uh, I was, um, what is like what is it like having Josh Barnett as a trainer? He's been around the game for a long time. Uh, is he? Is he as tough and as brutal as I would predict him to be? Well, it would, it would really depend on what your uh, what your um, how you define tough and brutal. Like it's it's just really it's honest training. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of training out there that's really dishonest as far as you know this will work and that'll work and a lot of stuff is just theoretical martial arts where it's like yeah in theory it'll work but then you have a guy who really doesn't want to let you do such things and and often 
times you'll be sitting there and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I would do this. And it's like, that crap don't work. <laughs> and they'll show you that it doesn't work and the reason why it don't work. So, you know, it's it's really, like I say, it's just honest training. And, you know, it can be hard. Of course, he expects a lot, uh, expects a lot out of his fighters. And, um, and I'm no exception. He puts me in... He puts me in rounds on rounds on rounds, and then go all right, go hit, go hit the air dime, all right. Now you got work the bag, all right. Now come back to sparring. So it's it can get hard, but it's honestly just honest training. Uh, so, uh, but also what's interesting about Barnett, not only is he, you know, he comes from an old school uh, mentality of the old catch wrestling. He's a pro wrestler as well, trained in Japan as well. So he's got a different approach. To how I would guess, you know, some like a camp like Jackson Winkle John or ATT might have. So he brings not only he brings not only like an um uh that that European uh catch wrestling style, but also the Japanese pancreas uh training uh submission style. Is that something that you think it, that that makes you a kind of a, just a different fighter overall than other people fighting in your division? Well, absolutely. You know, um. You know, our, our team name, UWF USA, it's from the old roots of catch wrestling in the UWF, where he used, where he would wrestle with Carl Gotch and, and, you know, Bill Robinson. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so, of course, we have our, we have very, we have some old school aspects, but uh, at the same time, we have uh, new school stuff as far as, you know, different training methods. Um, but, yeah, definitely, we, we draw from old school, we draw from new school, and, you know, we create our own blend of uh, of uh, martial arts, and it definitely has changed the way I have uh, I view martial arts and, and the way I apply myself in fighting. Mm-hmm. Curious, curious to know, were you a pro wrestling fan at any point uh, in your uh, life? Yes, but not in the way that Josh, I mean, not in the way that I would say uh, that Josh was like. You know, like I was a... Uh, I was into the what I was into the WWE when it was still WWF, mm. and I saw like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and Owen Hart and all those guys. And then what was funny is that where I lived in Southgate, there was a burger joint across the street, and they had the illegal black box that were, where you could just watch the pay per views for free. Mm-hmm. So what me and my friends would do is we would put together a couple, you know, scrounge up some money by. Uh, by uh, pumping people's gas over at the gas station that was at the corner of my house, we would run over there and get fry, just buy fries, so we can watch the pay per view, the wrestling pay per view. Okay. And then after that, we'd go outside and we'd wrestle, you know, as as we knew it. After a while, the um, it, it got into the attitude era where um, where uh, where women were wearing less and they were doing lingerie matches. And after that, my mom was like, "Yeah, you can't watch that anymore," because I'm still a kid. So I was like, uh, "All right, mom." <laughs> no, I, I, that's 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 what I grew up with, uh, and I I also used to have the the black box as well. You know that you, you could just watch the pay per views for free. I I remember those days. Um, yeah. Um. So do you pay attention to wrestling at all anymore now, or do you, do you is it at all on your radar? I, I do I I do to an extent. Like uh my my uh my a lot of my teammates are fans of wrestling. Of course, so we have a. We have Serena Baszler in NXT, and I follow her career, but I follow her career. I don't follow the uh, the entirety of wrestling, you know. And I know uh, Josh Barnett's got his Blood uh, Bloodsport Two coming out, so I follow the people, not the storylines. 
Would you is that something you ever considered or might consider maybe going into pro wrestling or something along the lines of like a like a Bloodsport UWFI type style pro wrestling? Well, absolutely. Um, I think uh, I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things to learn from playing a crowd and and wrestling. I mean, even though the, uh, the I mean the wrestling is real. I mean it's real moves, of course, done in a different way. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned from Josh as far as uh, when it comes to wrestling is that wrestling isn't fake. Those, what those guys do to their bodies is is pretty hard. It's just the outcomes are predetermined and the moves are modified to where they don't actually break people's necks. You know? mm. um, but if anybody says that wrestling is fake, I invite them to come over and train with Josh and Eric Hammer <laughs> the way they do it, or they're chopping each other's neck, I mean, chopping each other's chest really twisting on each other's necks slamming each other i mean a lot of um old a, a lot of old school wrestling is actually based off of old shoot fighting so they have to actually know what they're doing in order to fake it yeah so to say fake it yeah um but you know that also brings in the quite you know like uh, now the from when you and i were going up with pro wrestling it's become a lot more i guess uh high flying a lot more I guess, as they say, spotty. And I know that Josh Barnett, yeah. someone who he's not a fan of, like of like all that stuff. He likes, you know, the old school submission. He likes it to look like a real match between two guys. Yeah. Yeah. None of the, as they say, flippy shit. Do you, is that something that you yeah. also are kind of agree with, or you could kind of see like, you know, that's not the type of wrestling that you'd be interested in? Well, I, I mean, I understand that. Um... That when you get when you get two big two hundred fifty plus pound guys in there and they're doing all that flippy shit, that is not that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, I also understand that it's easier for me to do that stuff because I'm I'm one hundred fifty pounds. Like yeah, I can do all the acrobatic stuff, but I also understand that if you put me realistically, if you put me versus Josh, he's gonna grab me and he's gonna try to crush me. So I'm gonna have to do all the all the flippy stuff to get out of the way of it. You know. To make mm. it more entertaining, but I mean, there are, there is there is skill and there is talent in the um, in the Mexican style lucha libre, you know, and there's they're really known for that high flying stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think so I think the- I, I believe it has its I believe it has its place with certain uh, with certain fan with certain uh, fan groups and certain crowds. Well, I think also that they and and, and uh with. Oh, uh, hold on. So, uh, sorry, Christian. Christian, hold on a second. Hold on. I'm gonna get you on the line. Sorry, Christian. Okay. You got a you got a question for uh, Victor Henry? Um, not really. I mean, I'm just saying. In a way, Victor. And by the way, this is Chris Gary talking to you. You were talking to Andrew Benjamin for the last few minutes. But in a way, yeah. you're probably big enough to do that lucha libre type of stuff. You just choose not to because. In a way, it wouldn't seem realistic because you wouldn't probably want to try and bite somebody and they pull out all the flippy shit stuff that they managed to do in Lucha Libre. No disrespect to them. But uh-huh. in a way, but in a way, if you were to ever bite somebody with a Lucha type of style, how would you react to them at first? At first, I'd probably be surprised, and then I'd knee him in the balls. (laughs) 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 Oh, Jesus Christ. 
Oh boy. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, what else would you do? The guy's gonna try to flip, and then wait, just kick him the ball. That's what anybody would do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I want to talk about um uh the deep fight that you had earlier this year against Yuki Matoya. You beat him for the uh, deep bantamweight uh, championship. Going to that fight, it uh, you. I think it's fair to say that a lot of people were not expecting you to win that fight, but you. You basically outworked uh, uh, Matoya for almost three rounds, and you beat him. Uh, was was that a tough fight to uh, to prepare for, given the type of fighter that he is? He is a very he's a very sly, crafty fighter. That guy. Yeah, well, the preparation has been the. I mean, the preparation for my last six fights has been the same. Um, I'm not really focused on what other people are doing. I'm focused on what I'm doing. And the, Im- the improvements that I'm making. Um, that fight with Yuki Motoya, um, I felt in the first two rounds, I was able to uh, I was able to use my striking, use my counter-wrestling, and even use some of my own wrestling. In that third round, um, when I got that body lock, my legs gave out. Like, I was trying to, I was trying to drive and get, a, get myself a takedown, but my, my legs just went, boop, you know, it happens in a fight, but... Mm-hmm. And then that third round, I really had to dig and not give up because Yuki Motoya was going for it. He was going for that, you know, going for the uh, going for the finish because he saw his opportunity. Which, of course, that's why he's a veteran and he's a crafter. He sees it. He's a crafty fighter because he sees his opportunity and he goes for it. You know, so I had to make sure that no matter what, I did not stop moving. Do not stop moving because if if I did, and that referee would see it, and then. There goes my uh, there goes my opportunity, right? Exactly. So, yeah. In preparation for that fight, it was just all right. Well, we know he's gonna probably start off slow. He's probably gonna give up a couple shots and and uh, and try to pick it up at the end. So that's that's what I prepared myself for. Now I know that there was debate over that third round, and I know that's you know one of the things that people you know Japan Japan judges judge the fight by a whole, not by by all three rounds uh, individually. So I know that some yeah. people said that they thought that Matoya won. Some people thought that you won. Uh, do you think, uh, do you at all see how people could say that Matoya won? Or was this a case of people, you know, they they were seeing something else that was not there? That, that was, that, that Matoya did not, absolutely did not have anything in that third round. No, absolutely. I can, I can totally see how people would say that he won that third round. I mean... I mean, it's it's kind of hard to make the uh, argument when I, I spent most of the time on the bottom and I was I was moving I was moving I was taking I was taking some shots and I was moving here and top position and all that stuff. Absolutely, I can see that. But you can also well, I would make the argument that um, at no point did they actually pin me down and get and and give me a lot of unanswered shots. I actually did get a knockdown in the second round. Yes. Where I where I kicked him in the head and he fell over and I almost had the finish. So if you wanna if you wanna make that argument, then I would say who is closer to finishing the fight? Yeah, you know, good... I, I would say that I was. You know, and of course with uh, with def- uh, defending takedowns and actually getting takedowns, I won those first two rounds. And mm-hmm. they, I mean, of course, if you wanna make the argument, is like if you wanna make the if you wanna say, okay, well, we judge a fight by the whole. Okay, you judge the fight by the whole. Who um who is actually closer to getting the finish? Mm-hmm. I would say me. I mean, yeah, that third round was tough, but at no point was I about to go out. Mm-hmm. There was no point of, I did not rest at any point. Yeah, I had to go through a storm, but I did not rest through that storm. I was moving throughout that whole barrage. 
Mm-hmm. Did you think? Did you were you confident that you did that you were gonna get the decision win after that, or was it kind of just like you know you're in Japan, you're the guy who's presumably brought in there to lose? You felt that maybe like it was gonna be like a decision going to um, Matoya when they. Well, uh, not- absolutely, there's always that chance, but honestly, man, like I've been in, I've, I've gone into every. I mean, my I don't know how many fights I've had already where I've been the underdog. And it feels like I've just all, I'm always being brought in to lose. Um, of course, my fight with Yuki Motoya, where he was the champion. He's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's um, he's the local, you know. Um, then you had the fight with Otsuka, I mean, he was the local, of course. Anytime I go anywhere, it's always the other guy's country. You recently just had a fight country. in Russia as well. You were brought in uh, the face of Russian, and then you, uh, you uh, put him down to the ground. Yeah, so I mean, there's that, and then I even before that Russia fight, I had a fight with another uh, tough Russian, uh, Dennis Leventry, over in uh, in RCC in December, and I passed by the stadium, and they have his face just plastered up in the giant big screen. Dennis Leventry is fighting, and they didn't even advertise who I was, <laughs> and I was like, okay. I was like, I guess I'm not, they didn't even advertise his opponent, they just said that he was fighting. I come to find out, you know, he's, Dennis Leventriev is a tough guy, and he's got a bright, you know, he's he's got a bright future in the sport because he has such a financial backing behind him. Mm. But of course, I do know that I'm in Russia fighting a Russian on the Russian guy's card. You know, so it's like, I'm always the, uh, I'm always going, I'm not, I'm pretty much always the, um, the underdog and anytime it goes to a decision I'm always thinking okay well I don't know because it's a decision and I and I couldn't get the finish you know so I mean to be quite honest they risk. probably must have had you do one of those promos where they had your voice dubbed over in Russian say that again my man so was that again Christian they probably must have had you do one of those promos where they had your voice where they had your voice dubbed over in Russian to make you think you were saying something differently. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't remember doing any interviews for any Russians where <laughs> they even cared about what I had to say. Actually, uh, speaking of that, uh, one thing, you know, interestingly enough, you've never been finished in an in a professional MMA fight. Uh, what do you like? What is it like? You know, it seems like everybody at least gets finished once in the career, but you have not been not not been finished yet. Uh, I just I guess I, how how do I ask? I mean, like, how do how does that happen? How do you is it just your resolve to not go down to not get submitted? Like, how, what is that? What is in you that that doesn't get someone to finish you? If you were to ask Josh that question, he would give you a simple answer: a hateful, stubborn ass little shit from Southgate. <laughs> 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 um. You know, like, if, if if somebody gets the finish on me, then congratulations, congratulations well-earned. I'm not going to give it up, you know. But honestly, like, just the will to fight, just fight and fight and fight and continue getting out. I mean, when you do rounds on rounds with uh, with somebody like Josh, because I, I will spar Josh Barnett, and he puts you, he knees you in the liver and you fall and you're up against the cage and you're like, all right, give me a second, and he's still there punching you in the face. Well, I mean, that that teaches you to have some sort of resolve. Mm-hmm. We never uh, we do this drill called catch for catch, where I'll get you in a submission, you get me in a submission. I'll get you in a submission, you get me in a submission. And we're just going back and forth. Um, but when I catch you in a submission, I don't just let go because 
it's never going to happen that way. I have to fight out of that submission. Fight mm-hmm. out of that submission, and then now it's my turn. Even though it's still a drill, it's teaching us to uh, to fight out of everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, that I think that translates into my fights, because even when somebody, like, I fought uh, Kyler Phillips, who's not, who's now signed in the UFC, but um, I fought him, and early in the first round, he, he almost had my neck, but I managed to just, you know, get my chin down and shrug my shoulders and you know, say, uh, I mean, I only have one artery open on my neck, but I was like, eh, but I was able to survive through that. Once I got out, you know, we continued the fight from there. But, um, you know, it was just being stubborn, being, you, you can call it being stubborn, hard-headed, having the will to live, or a hateful little shit that just doesn't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I want to ask one last question about the deep uh, match. The the uh, the the promotional uh, pictures posters had you making a very weird face. Can you just is there a story behind that? It was like I never yeah, seen. Uh, it, it, I just want to describe it to people who have. It looks like you like smelled somebody's fart. Somebody you're in an elevator. You smell somebody's fart, and you're just like you can't contain how bad it smells. That's I, it was the strangest uh, face I've ever seen for a promotional promo of uh, photo. Yeah. So that I think that picture was taken when I was doing the weigh-ins for the Ultscott fight. So it was actually an old photo. So I've actually noticed that every time that I've had some sort of promotional picture of me for a fight in Japan, it's always been right after I weigh in. So I don't look my best. You know, I, I always look super sucked up and everything. And I, I'm trying to, uh, you know, weight cuts suck. Weight cuts always suck. They're never easy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're not, you know, I'm not like crippled going up to the, uh, going up to the, um, going up to the scale. Like I still have my bearings about me. Mm-hmm. So I remember Josh telling me a long time ago, he's like, "Hey, make your presence known. Don't be, don't be the everyday fighter. Just face off, way in there, goodbye." You know, I actually want to have, I actually have some sort of character mm-hmm. and, um, and some charisma about me. So I want to put that out there. But of course, <laughs> so I make this, I make. The, uh, the funny face one, and they, they just want to use that one instead of all the other ones that I gave, which, whatever. I mean, <laughs> no, just, I guess I'm known as the, you know, the guy with the funny faces. Because I remember that, became, when, when that got released, people were just like wondering on Twitter, like, why would they use this? Why would, why would, what was the story behind that photo? And uh, you know, at least with the, with the rise in, uh, at least they use a normal photo uh, for the promotional uh, uh, pictures. It was just it was such, a, such, a, such a weird photo. You don't see that, like, a photo like that, like, used to promote a fight. It's usually just, you know, looking tough or whatever, yeah, arms yeah. crossed, but this was like, I'd never seen an expression like that before. So I was wondering if it was like an accidental yeah. photo. Yeah, I mean, no, I did that purely 100% off. I'm glad they did. I mean, they got, hey, any press is good press, right? Yeah. So um, I'm glad they used that photo. They got a lot of questions and everything, so... So just good. curious about your deep status. Is there is uh, I don't know if you can say anything or if you even know anything at this point. Do you, is there are you potentially defending the uh, belt at some point, whether it be a rematch against Matoya or another potential opponent after the Ryzen show? I have no idea. That's all up to the uh, that's all up to the promotions and uh, my management. So mm-hmm. I really don't know. Either way, I mean, I've uh, I've made a career out of out of not uh, not turning down fights and fighting whoever and. Let's go for it. Yeah. You know? And so let's talk about the rise in 17. Uh, oh, sorry, Christian, go ahead. Uh, now, I got a couple of questions to ask before 
something like to say, Andrew. When it comes down to fighting in front of big crowds, and I know that you, Victor, fought in NorCal, in SoCal, in the state of Washington, as well as in Russia and in Japan for deep. What does fighting in front of the Ryzen Fighting Federation audience in the Ryzen ring mean to you, knowing that you're going into your next fight in Nagoya, IPG Japan coming up? Um, you know what, man? For me, like I said before, it's always been about the fight itself, never really about uh, where it's at or the or how many people are in the crowd. Um, I'd like to consider myself a martial artist first before I am a fighter. Fighters compete and they um, and they're athletes and everything, but I'm a martial artist, so I try to keep myself uh, grounded in that. Um, but fighting for the Ryzen, you know, under the Ryzen flag, I mean, it's a uh, yeah, I mean, it's a big deal to me, man. I mean, I've, I've plugged away for many, many years, and, you know, to be able to fight for a globally known uh, organization is going to be uh, is gonna be another step in my martial artist career. I can understand that. And, I mean, first of all, and this is a two-parter, what are your thoughts about your opponent, Trent Nino Loco Greetown? Well, I know he's a he's an Australian guy training over in Thailand, so he's gonna have some great kickboxing, um, kickboxing and Muay Thai. Um, I also know that he's not afraid to go to the ground. I mean, this guy he's a uh, he's well-rounded, he's tough, he's had a uh, he has international experience, and you know I don't like you know talking negatively about your opponent doesn't make sense to me. So I know this guy is gonna be tough. He's going to cut after me he's not going to give me anything and he's he has the same attitude i have towards fighting which is let's go in there and do it so it's most likely going to be a very good fight i apologize victor hold on one second i just lost christian let me get him back on i'm gonna add him to um i'm gonna add him to the chat that was my um hey christian are you there christian christian are you there Ah, I think he's, I think we, we, uh, sorry, hold on, one second, sorry, hold on, I'm very sorry, Victor, hold on, one second. No problem, no problem. Um, seriously, I hate, I hate the messenger layout, it's such shit. Um, 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 sorry for... I'm sorry for all the commotion, y'all. Oh, Chris. Uh, my connection is really... It's just that my connection is really pissed poor. But... Sorry. Um, Go ahead, ask your other question. The question I want to ask you is, I know as you being a martial artist and you training under Josh Barnett, it would be hard to ask what would you be doing if you weren't a martial artist. But if you weren't training under Josh Barnett, would you still be considered... A martial artist it would depend I mean if I didn't have martial arts then I'd be doing two things I either I, I originally wanted to get into zoology so I wanted to work with animals mm -hmm. or skateboarding because I was skating oh, wow. I've been skating I've been skating for years and um, so those would be the two things if I did I if I didn't get into martial arts those would be the things that I would be doing but since I did get into martial arts, but even if I didn't choose fighting as a path, probably, you know, I mean, 
I remember being in high school, writing down some goals that I wanted to learn this martial art, that martial art, this martial art, you know. But, of course, in fighting, once I started fighting and everything, I learned, okay, well, this martial art is more fancy. This martial art has some applications here. But then, even then, after I developed more as a martial artist, I learned, okay, well, certain martial arts were made for certain reasons. So I, you know, so everything has its own application, you know. So you go, like, uh, I, as far as my own martial arts uh, path, I've, I've went through all martial arts through the face of all martial arts work versus only these work because it was pounded into my head. Because, when I, like I said, when I first, my first martial art was Taekwondo, and then when I first started, you know, Muay Thai, they were like, don't do that, don't do that, that doesn't work, don't do that, that doesn't work. So I got uh-huh. some instructors that were saying, oh, no, don't do this because it doesn't work. And then as I progressed as a martial artist, I was like, wait a minute, these things do work. You just need to learn how to apply it. So, and then through that growth, and then now I'm like, okay, everything works. Or, I mean, everything works. You just have to find the right time to use it and the right um, way to use it. So, right, right. Oh, since you bring up skateboarding, I got to ask, what is your favorite Tony Hawk video game? Tony Hawk 1. Ah. Good, good choice. Bringing the the first one, of course, man. I mean, I'm a little. Did it have? It had Andrew Reynolds, right? Or did it not have Andrew Reynolds? I don't remember. Oh God, I've been playing it such a long time, but Burk. I remember. I just remember it being <laughs> so good. Well, uh, Andrew, Reynolds, Andrew Reynolds was my favorite skater, man. So, but yeah, Tony Hawk One. I remember when that first when that video game first came out. I was like, this is great. You know, all, and all that music was this, was new music to me. And of course, being a kid, I was like, oh yeah, awesome. Uh, did you ever see the Lords of Dogtown movie as well about those uh, skateboarders? I did, and you know what? I actually I am friends with the uh, with the almost I would say the second generation of the, the Dogtown kids. I mean, of course, the Lords of Dogtown with all those guys, they had their you know they were the first ones. But then the next generation of skaters that came out of that area. I actually know one of the guys, and I get some Dogtown stuff sometimes. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Because uh, those guys were trendsetters uh, when they uh, when they were doing their, their their all their skateboarding shit. That was a. Uh, and also, I gotta ask: Were you a follower of CKY when they were around? Can't kill yourself. Yeah. Yes, the, the Jackass guys, Bam Margera and uh, Jeff Tremaine and Spike Jones. Uh, yeah. God, yeah. Uh, actually, I gotta ask as well: Were you a Jackass fan when that was around? I was a jackass fan. I, they were a bunch of dumbass people doing dumbass shit. Hell yeah, I was a, I was a fan. Oh uh, yeah. Um, it's, oh, now I'm just we're, we're, you're bringing me back to my childhood because that was basically my childhood. Was watching the jackass, Steve-O and uh, and Johnny Knoxville and all those guys. Oh my god. Oh, it feels like such a long time ago. Oh, I'm feeling Seriously, old. Because it was, it was a long time ago, man. Oh, well, let's let's talk let's, let's talk more about the fight. So yeah, you you're you're is your training any different for uh, a guy like Trent Gurnham, or you is there you just basically doing the same thing as you do uh, when you go into a uh, when you go to uh, see to the UWF school? Uh, we do the same thing, man. I mean, uh, I trust Josh's uh, judgment and his. Uh, in his ability to coach through, uh, through you know, coach me through fighting, obviously. Um, the only thing that changes is the sparring partners. Yeah, that's the only thing that changes. But my uh, my goal is the same thing: go in there, apply pressure, hit, 
get fast, hit often. See, if I can't get the knockdown, knock out, then take it to the ground, try to get the submission. How long do you see this fight going? Um, I don't know if you're one someone who, who does predictions like that or anything, but uh -huh. wait, 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 wait. as long as it needs to. Oh, that's a good answer. I like that answer. Yeah. Um, and do you have anything to say to your opponent if he were listening to this right now? Well, you got him in the background right now? You got him, you got him hiding behind you? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying if the dude was basically... I mean, I'm just saying if the dude had the balls big enough to listen to this. Like, yeah, if he was I got trying you. to scout um, you right now, what would you say to him? That I hope he's training hard. Um, and I hope he brings his best to our fight because... I don't ever wanna. I don't wanna feel like he didn't try his best. Curious to know as well. What do you? Your rise in stats. Is this just, is this just a one fight deal, or do you have any more fights lined up? What exactly? Is there anything that you can mention about that? Um. Yeah. Um. I know Ryzen has an interest in me, so I I, I know they want to use me. Uh. Have me fight on their card a few times. So. Well, did you was was basically did they come to you after you beat Matoya or was there even talk before the uh, Matoya fight? After my Matoya fight, they um, they expressed interest in me. Okay. And it just took it took a while to uh, to reach a deal. I got so, it. Because of course I was after the Matoya fight, it was like okay, well, you know, we don't want to we don't want just want to wait on certain promotions. We just want to keep fighting, mm -hmm. keep going. Again, it's about the fight. It's not about the promotion. So, mm -hmm. it, uh, curious to know as well. Uh, is the goal? Is the eventual goal for you to face up against Kyoji Horiguchi? The eventual goal for me is to go Super Saiyan, either first American Super Saiyan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, the eventual goal, of course, is, is the top of anything. Um, right now, Horiguchi is on is is unbelievable. Right now, he's doing amazing things. The first dual promotion tra uh, champ right now. Um, but yeah, if we get there and um, and that fight is available, then absolutely. Now, does this basically mean you are also saying you would like to fight in the UFC or Bellator one day? This is me saying that no matter what the platform is, if I can put these paws on people, then we're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, is there anybody else that you would be interested in, in fighting in Ryzen after this uh, after this uh, match? Do you, is there anybody that you were like that? That's a guy I want to fight. That's a guy I want to fight. Or do you want to do kickboxing oh, wow. and fight tension like everybody else does as well? So, what, what's what are your future goals for Ryzen besides Koroguchi? Um, probably one of those freak show matches. Are you talking the one, like the, the one that? Yeah, the way the Pride used to do it. Butterbean versus Genki Sudo. They don't do things like that anymore. <laughs> I'd say, I would say... Well, actually, that was K-1, but I think I get what you mean, though. <laughs> I mean, you being a 145... I mean, you being 135 to 145, I would definitely see you fighting against somebody that weighs 160 or 170. I thought yeah, you. Were, why not? I thought you were talking about, like, uh, when you said free, uh, like a feature fight, you versus, like, Gabby Garcia or something like that. Oh no! <laughs> nah, she would eat me. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, Gabby, uh, I saw Gabby Garcia for one of my fights over at uh, over in uh, when I fought Pancras. I actually fought Alan Yamanita and Pancras. And um, 
Alan and I were tied up on the ground in, against the cage, and I heard Gabby Garcia, you know, of course, rooting for her uh, her fighter. Well, not really her fighter, but Alan Yamanija is half Brazilian, half Japanese. Of course, she's rooting for him. So I remember hitting, hitting, and thinking, oh, shit, that's Gabby Garcia. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's a fight. Okay, going for it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's got a very distinctive voice, so you probably you that she you know she doesn't have uh, she's got a you know she's a big she's big she's tall she's got a deeper voice than most women, so it's definitely a voice that stands out among uh, probably the ja- the quiet Japanese crowd uh, when Absolutely. when you're when you're uh, in a fight. Um, again, that sounds like it was probably a Kirkin Hall. Was that was that a Kirkin Hall fight? No, that was at. Um, or Shinkiba first ring. That was at Dipper Ariake. Dipper Ariake, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. By the way, which is not around, unfortunately, is not around anymore. Uh, uh, rest no, in rest peace. in peace. Pour out some liquor for that place. Oh. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I'm just curious, also know as well, uh, Victor, what do you do when you are not training? What is what do you do in your spare time? I train. What's up with that? <laughs> uh, well, is there anything that like video so, games, hunting? I don't know. A lot, a lot of fighters seem to be hunters. So, this, so let me be, let me be straight up with you, man. Uh, ever since I decided to start fighting, I've made sure that my life revolved around fighting and training. Wow. If it's not fighting, if it's not training, then I'm eating or resting. Um, I've worked odd jobs. I've worked, uh, you know, doing smog checks. You know, assisting in smog checks, uh, cleaning dishes, anything that paid my ability to have gas and you know just gas to get to training cell phone bill you know insurance where as long as i had the bare minimum to get my ass to training that's what i did i didn't pick up secondary hobbies i didn't do any of that because all that stuff would just cost me money mm-hmm. you know so i made it to where my life revolved around fighting if it didn't if it didn't if it got in the way of fighting, then it got cut out. Mm-hmm. If it helped my fighting, then I then I then I pursued it. So oh, that is um, dedication. That is that is some serious dedication, I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, and what, what's hard is that you know, I to this day I've only had maybe about two or three sponsors. You know, and, and some sponsors fell out because well, there's just not enough money MMA, or you know, you know, Josh Barnett has basically been my my main sponsor, so. Everything as far as financially that I've had, I've had to earn. You know, I had to go get a job. I mean, there's a lot of fighters out there who are, you know, even some amateurs who are sponsored amateurs and they're they're able to train full time and with with top of the line strength and conditioning coaches and they have extra time with their coaches. I don't have that. My uh, my coach Josh is a is a very busy guy. So of course I can't. He lives on the other side of. I mean, I'm on, I'm on one side of Orange County. He's on the other side of Los Angeles. So in order to get to his house, it's at least an hour and a half drive. Mm. So it's not like I could just I could just show up willy-nilly because, of course, he's got his things that he's got to do. So I have to I have to supplement my own training when I don't have time with my head coach. You know, so I, you know of course, I started working with Uchenna Anyakam, who's Curtis Millinder's striking coach. Um I do what I can. You know, I, I go with Chad George over at CMMA. Um, I'm not a fully sponsored fighter. I for, I'm still I'm still a working class person who happens to be fighting also. 
That so is, I know uh, I know a lot of these guys have that uh, that benefit, but I don't. Well, that is that is quite some My. serious damn dedication. I gotta say, I don't think I I I don't think I've heard. Yeah, a lot of fighters do not have that. A lot of them, you know, they either know people who get sponsors for them, or you know, they come. I guess they they come from the right womb, as as some people say, uh, or the lucky womb. But yeah, no, jam. That is quite that is quite a fucking story you got there. Um, yeah, and you should absolutely should be proud of all the accomplishments that you've done with MMA. Um, I do have a, we do have a question from a Twitter user, uh, Jwolf One. He asks, "Are you training stops and soccer kicks to properly utilize Epic, the Epic Ryzen's superior rule sets?" Dude, there are these rats behind the house. I am training my soccer kicks on those rats. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, of course, uh, of course. You know, it's it's uh, a lot of times like it's easier for me now because I've been training with them for a little bit. So indeed, you, they're soccer kicks. Yeah. Um. So for me, it's easier to ingrain. For Josh, it's easier to ingrain because it's, okay, we've done that before. But other than training soccer kicks on people, you have to remind your sparring partner, hey, there are soccer kicks in my fight. So if you see it, you take it. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not doing it, then I'm not seeing it. Therefore, I'm not, I'm not going to have the reactions that I need when the foot starts flying at my own face. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's easy to give it, but receiving it is a is a is one thing also. So I, it's it's hard to tell people, hey, listen, man, if my head is right there and you see it, go ahead and kick it. Don't punt my head off, but at the same time, like I need to I need to see it. So I can see the hesitation, and a lot of the my training partners were like, oh, oh, do I do it? Like, yeah, do it. Not some of my closer training partners. Some of my closer training partners are like, oh, now's my time to get Victor. I'm going to get Victor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. I, 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 I totally forgot. Yeah, oh, my God. Just oh, That sounds so scary, training for soccer, because then that means not only is your training partner eligible for them, it means you're also eligible for them. And that just is such a scary thought that someone's foot's going to come yeah. right to your face. Um, yeah, imagine Josh is like coming at your face. Oh, 250-pound Josh Barnett with a, with a soccer kick. Oh, great. That's the, that's the stuff made of nightmares. I, that's something I, I yeah. hope I never, ever, ever, ever have to deal with. Um, Dude, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know I could break dance before, I, uh, before Josh tried to kick me in the head. All of a sudden, I'm doing all sorts of twists and turns on the ground. I look like a b-boy. <laughs> so, but, or you look like you could be crop dancing after Josh Barnett kicks you in the head. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Christian. Um, uh, well, but also with Ryzen, <laughs> with Ryzen, all the the fighters are eligible to have a nice big grand entrance or a memorable entrance, I should say. Do you have anything planned, or are you working on anything that you uh, for an, for an entrance that people can possibly uh, remember uh, for that night? Honestly, man, I mean. Other than dropping my pants, there's nothing. That, I mean, there's nothing else I can do to make a make Ryzen's entrance even more epic. I mean, there's they have great entrances, but what I am looking forward to is uh, Lainey Hart saying my name. Ah, good, good. I want to oh, record that on. and I want to use that as a ringtone. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come to think of it, that would be cool because a lot of fighters they live for the camaraderie. They live for the grandiose style of Lenny Hart announcing them because they think that if 
Lenny Hart just announces me one time, one time, then I know I made it. Yeah, I made something of myself, right? Um, yeah, I think I think that's going to be a great uh, experience, and that's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Uh, what? And uh, this is uh, one of the last questions I have for you. Your nickname is La Mangosta. La, La, La Mangosta. La Mangosta, which is mongoose in Spanish. Um, yeah. How did you earn that nickname, the mongoose? So, uh, when I first started with Josh, you know, I um, for those of people who don't who don't know, I'm half Mexican. So I mean, even though I look super white, I'm actually half Mexican. <laughs> so. Josh, knowing that I came from Southgate, California, wanted me to give me a, a nickname that I could appeal to my Mexican side because he goes, oh, there's a market in there. I said, all right, well, my dad has been calling me uh, El Monstro since I was a kid, which means the monster. And when I was a kid, it was Monstrillo, like little monster. And then I grew up a little bit, and then it was Monstro. And then I grew up a little bit more, and then as I became an adult, it's, it became Don Monstro. So I was like, you know, a higher respect of monster, but it's always monstro. And I told him, I was like, yeah, Josh, like my, my dad's been calling me a monstro since I was a kid. And he's like, nah, we're going to give you something else. I'm like, all right, whatever. So he decided to go with the with La Mangosta, which is the mongoose, because of my nature of just getting into things and fucking things up and being curious and just my nature of, of how I am. So I was like, all right. But then I started giving Josh shit because I was like, dude, like, how come you're naming? How come you're naming all your fighters or uh, or other people like some sort of animal? Hmm. Like there, we have. I have my teammate uh, Shohei Yamamoto, which is Keiji Tora, you know, which means cage tiger. And then we had uh, we had this other this other kid who whose name was Wolverine. And I was like, what is this? I feel like I feel like we're in a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where your zoology uh, background would come into play. Um, bada bing, bada boom. I wanted to get into herpetology, which was like snakes and venomous, you know, shit like that. Mm. Um, actually, that's ironic. I think aren't the mongoose and like snakes like mortal en enemies? I think or, or like there's like some sort of like thing between the two. Com cobras. Mongoose eats snakes. That's it. Yes. So they're not enemies. They're just mm. mongoose whooping on snakes, man. So actually, now that I think about it, the only person uh, on on the Barnett team who might not have an animalistic name is uh, Alyssa Garcia, Tiny Tim. She's the only one that escaped with uh without having an animal name, unless she unless she's been yeah, given she one. Yeah, she had that nickname before. She had that nickname from uh from her wrestling days. Oh, I see. But we also have a uh, yeah. We also have AJ Bryant, who's uh who's AJ who's basically AJ forty seven like AK. <laughs> um, He's wow. actually, he, he's coming off his uh, his uh, his win over Jared Papazian over at LXF, which is one of the one of the better shows here at in Southern California. They're doing really well. Um, but AJ's got a fight coming up, so he he actually. But then again, he had his nickname before before joining us also. So no, it's fine. If I you're thinking about training with Josh Barnett, prepare for a, prepare for a little nickname. That's he, gonna probably revolve around a rodent. You should, uh, John Barnett should be like a WWE where no matter what what your name was before you came in, he just he changed it to uh to make it marketable for for his uh for his school, like you know. Uh, every... uh, yeah, well, another thing to consider is that anybody who comes and trains under Josh, if you want to do that consistently, have you guys ever seen Full Metal Jacket? Yes, yes, Private Pile. Uh -huh. so, 
bits and pieces of it. Keep the law charging Gunnery Hartman, where everybody is unorganized, grab-ass-thick pieces of amphibian shit until you've proven yourself. So everybody is a no-name cocksucker until, okay, you came in, all right, we'll see you again next week. All right, you came in again. All right, cool. So you actually have to earn your levels of respect. How long? Uh, how long? Is unless you go a wall and you don't want to go a wall under Josh Barnett. Yeah, you, you don't want to. Yeah, because we'll find your ass. You don't, don't want to do. Remember when you quit? We got you today. We don't, got you today. You don't want to end up like a uh, private pile in that uh in that uh situation. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, Christian, I, I want to pass it off to you. Uh, do you have any uh, more questions for uh, Victor Henry? Uh, basically, the one final thing I want to ask is, what do you have to say to those who probably never seen you before and those who think that, oh, you can't last a second against top competition? What, what do you have to say to wrong or just to, you know, shut them the fuck up? Well, I mean, they don't, they, they don't know me, so who cares what they think? I'm over here fighting, you know, until they've been in a fight or a fight with me. Who, who cares? You know, um, all they got to know is I'm a hateful son of a bitch and that I refuse to die <laughs> until absolutely killed. Uh, well, with that, uh, Victor, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, plug uh, your team, uh, your sponsors, your social media, and anything else, you, anybody else or anything else you want to give a shout out to. Uh, well, first of all, of course, shout out to Josh Barnett and and, and bringing me on to uh, to his team UWF USA. Also, I'd like to thank uh, CMMA Southgate and CMMA Gardena under Chad George. I'd like to thank uh, my coach uh, Uchenna Anyakam. Um, as far as sponsors, I'm available for sponsors, man. I'd like to thank my sponsor Josh Barnett. Mm. <laughs> um, and of course, you guys for uh, bringing me up on uh, on this uh, on this podcast here. Um, it's you guys that actually give me the um, the exposure because, of course, everybody does, nobody cares until somebody cares, right? So, mm. mm-hmm. well, as we, we as exactly. we as we told Johnny, we actually care enough to have you on the show. I mean, you are a really cool guy from the way that you handled yourself in this interview, and I hope that you manage to show that in the. Oh, Christian, you dropped out. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead again, Christian. Oh, oh. Well, I, I was about to say, um, as we told Johnny Case, you know, we got, you know, we did this, we started this because we got tired of all the only talk being about, you know, Kobe Covington, the Conor McGregor's. We wanted to get the stories of what's going on the other side of the world uh, that that, yeah. that a lot of people don't talk about here, and so that's why we we do this because we want to get. We want to get people like you, Justin Scoggins, uh, others who don't have that reach uh, uh, um, anymore or that ability to, to get that out there. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, I really appreciate it because, I mean, I grew up with uh, with the mentality of nobody cares. Go and do it. So the fact that people are starting to care, it's cool, you know. So now that, now that um, people have... I mean, I'll, I've always considered myself the, the the little voice that's becoming bigger, and I, I really appreciate the little voices that are that are that are uh, paying attention to me. And of course, you know, I want to do what I can to to help people out. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, you're gonna have an opportunity uh, to get your voice 
apps heard to thousands of people at Ryzen 18. Uh, you're gonna be fighting in front of thousands of people. You're gonna be people you can watch on Fight.tv uh, August 18th. Uh, if you're not in Japan, this is gonna be one of the biggest opportunities for you. And you know, it's definitely gonna be a fight that we're that uh, I'm definitely looking forward to. And I think Christian, you're probably looking forward to it as well, right? Just so I want to know, will Josh be there in your corner uh, uh, fight day? Josh will be there in my corner fight day, yeah. Uh, uh, giving me as good as advice as he gave to Alyssa Garcia. Beat her fucking head in. Oh, yes. I'll never forget. Oh, yes. No. You know, uh, that was like, um, I'm trying to remember who. That was against um, Ayaka Hamazaki, I believe it was, that fight. And, uh, yeah, yeah it was. just hearing Josh Barnett yelling. Like, I, there, now here's the thing there's comment, English commentary I'm watching. I cannot hear the English commentary because Josh Barnett's voice is so booming that I'm hearing him over the commentary. That is how of a loud and just boy, uh, vocally how, how he is. And my God, like, I was hearing his train, I was hearing everything from his side. It was, like, amazing. Uh, remember that, Christian? Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Oh, God, yeah. just. I mean, it was the one time that I actually wished that Josh was more louder than the commentary was. <laughs> just for that entire fight. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'll be great to see get to see you in a rising ring. It'll be great to see Josh Barnett. Uh and uh yeah, Victor, I really appreciate you doing this interview. We love we love talking to you. We definitely would love to talk to you again in the future, whether you know you're having a fight with Deep or Ryzen again. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well thanks for having me on guys. I hope you guys have a good day and or evening wherever you guys are calling from. Uh evening for me, because it's almost six o'clock. East Coast. Uh, for me, it's almost what three. Oh, lucky you. Yeah, that's almost three for me. Yeah. God damn it, day goes by too fast. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely would love to talk to you again in the future, uh, Victor. Uh, no problem, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. You too.